Usually when we do podcasts in series of two or three, I try to think about the logical order that would make sense to talk about them in. And quite honestly, I thought it made more sense to start off with if you're too lenient and then talk about if you're too harsh. The reason we did it the other way around is because I didn't grow up in a family that was too lenient and I had no idea like, okay, what are we even going to cover in this podcast? Um, So yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Um, What I know that your parents weren't nearly as as strict as you ended up being. What uh, what was that like? Yeah, so I would say that when it comes to uh, being lenient, um, there's we need to look at again the reason that we're like what's what's the problem at hand because um, there were areas in which my parents were uh, very strict. Uh, one of the things that my mom always talked about, she's like, I didn't like whining, and so. I didn't want my kids to be whiners. Um, and I was going to make for darn sure that anytime that anybody whines, I was going to stop them, which is funny because I see in myself that like, I say that a lot, like stop whining and a child will come to me and they're whining. I'll say like, you can tell me the exact same thing. I'm willing to listen to you, but just try it again without a whine in your voice. Um, and so uh, that message, that strict message came came through. Uh, but then on the flip side, when it comes to uh, to you know, at what point can we be too lenient? And there's that scripture verse of uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. So there's clearly, you know, like we don't want to be too lenient. And I would say, okay, like, first of all, uh, what's what's an instance of being too lenient? So an area where we were too lenient, um, uh, there was a time with one of your siblings who was working on his math and what he would do, he's very smart. And so uh, as he would do his math, he would he wouldn't show his work because he could do calculation in, in it, calculations in his head really fast. And he was very interested in not being in school and he wanted to be done with school as quick as possible. So that was one of the advantages of homeschooling is he could finish and go do what he wanted to do. Uh, so he wouldn't show his work. The problem with that is that when he did get things wrong, uh, which happened periodically, um, the uh, there wouldn't be uh, a he couldn't go back and see what step that he messed up on because he didn't write it down. He didn't show his work. And so Maria kept saying, you know, you need to show your work. You need to show your work. And then there were these problems that were arising because he wasn't showing his work. Um, And it finally got to the point uh, and there were some concepts he was missing. It was like, well, because this builds, you know, in math, uh, you've got proofs and stuff that build one upon the, on the other and you have to show your work. And so what ended up happening, it got to the point where I just said enough, you know, you need, you need to, Maria had told him, show your work. I was like, no, you need to go back and read do and I pushed him back to a certain point and I said from that point forward you have to redo your work and he and was that harsh yes um we had been too lenient <laughs> but what ended up happening is and I told him I said I'm going to correct your math and if you hand me stuff that's right but there's not work shown I'm going to hand it back to you and, and I'm not actually I'm not going to hand it back to you I'm going to take it from you and you're going to have to redo <laughs> redo that work um and in that so that was uh I don't know that that actually was too harsh in that situation, but we were too lenient because we let it go on for too long. And the fruit of that is that he started to show his his work. Um, and the, the biggest frustration I had with him is that because he was so smart, there would be something wrong that was actually rather complicated. And I would show him like this one here is wrong. Uh, this is before he was showing his work. And he would look at it and say, oh, and then he'd correct it really quickly. I was like, okay, you have a gift. <laughs> you know, when I was in, in college, like it took me a while, even in high school, it took me a while to work through and see what's wrong. And at the end of test, you know, college, I would finish the test. And if I had 20 minutes left, I would go back 
back and double check all my work. Um, and he wouldn't double check his work. And I was like, you have to double check your work. And why? Because within a split second, <laughs> he was able to see like, oh yeah, that one's wrong and this is why. I was like, just take a little bit longer. So uh, the uh, the leniency was like, and he was somebody who also wanted to be, and this does apply, he wanted to be an engineer. And I said, you know, if you're gonna be an engineer, you gotta show your work. You've got people, you gotta collaborate with other people. So that needs to be on the table. They need to know where you're coming from and how you got there. You know, need to know, you need to leave a breadcrumb trail. How did I get here? <laughs> so that other people can follow you. And that's, that's our goal here. So when it comes back to this thing of leniency, uh, the problem with that, the reason it ended up being harsh is that we just let it go for too long. Um, and in that case, then he got into the habit. And then when he was in the habit, it was really hard to break the habit. You know, and they talk about even with, uh, in the Holy Land, uh, and this is really harsh, but it's, uh, this is this is what I heard actually happens is if you have a little lamb who uh, keeps wa you know wandering away that the shepherd will actually break his legs, put the lamb on his neck, and during the time that the little lamb's uh, legs are healing and he can't walk on his own, <laughs> um, it gets to know the voice of the shepherd, and then when the little lamb is healed and can walk on his own, he is then far more in tune to uh, the voice of the shepherd again. So that's that's harsh. Um, but again, the leniency is even worse uh, if the leniency goes too far, which, which gets down to this kind of this deeper question is, uh, you know, you just have to ask yourself as a parent, what message am I sending when I'm being really lenient? And the message, uh, if, you're, if you're too lenient, is you're not worth my time. Um, I had a friend who said, you know, parenting is easy if you just uh, if you just practice neglect parenting, it's not hard at all. <laughs> so uh, that was Tim. And I, I laughed at that, but I thought, you know, like, it's true. Um, there is a way in which, uh, I mean, quite frankly, I, I mean, to my own guilt uh, and shame, um, there were ways in which early on that I thought I was being a good parent and I would have called myself a good parent. Um, but I was, I was not really plugging into my kids and tuning in. Um, and I, and the leniency in that case was, you know, lenient towards myself. Some of it was, was ignorance. And so, um, and so actually being a really loving, involved parent and paying attention to what's going on and trying to correct things that need to be uh, corrected tells your, our children, like you're worth it. Like you're important enough that I'm paying attention and I'm trying to uh, to make your life better. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you uh, do that. So, you know, we have to be careful. Is leniency really uh, an excuse to be kind of neg neglectful? Um, so that's, that's a pitfall we can fall into. Well, it kind of raises the question. I think a lot of parents would say that the reason that they're lenient is because they love their children and they don't want to make their kids' lives miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, I think most parents you run into, like, at least regardless of what any underlying motivation might be, that would be the stated reason. I feel like the negative effects of kind of hands-off, lenient, whatever word you want to yeah. use, parenting, show up much further down the road. Absolutely. You know, you, you, so, but at the time, it's more like, no, I, I want them to kind of feel more free. I don't want them to right. feel like overly constricted. Um yeah. How do you address it at the point at which it's happening when the results are yeah. not nearly as clear? Yeah, I, I would say a story that uh, that shocked me. Um, uh, I had heard of this uh, young lady who, um, who she was she was growing uh, into her time of puberty and she was getting a lot of attention from boys, uh, and she felt as if 
um, and I'm surprised that she was even able to say it. Um, she was enjoying the attention. Uh, and so she had told, as the story goes, uh, she decided that she was going to go uh, downtown Chicago on a Friday night. And she asked her parents, she said, hey, you know, I want to go downtown. And the, mind you, she's a, I believe, a freshman or a sophomore in high school. So we're talking about a 15-year-old. Um, and, uh, and she said, hey, I'm going to go meet some friends downtown Chicago, and I'm going to take the subway or the L, um, you know, there. You know, are you okay with that? I'm going to do that on Friday night, and, uh, you know, I'll probably leave, you know, around 5, and I'll get back probably, you know, 11, or, or I'll be back before midnight. And her, uh, and her parents said, yeah, yeah, that, that's fine. You know, just make sure that you're back by your curfew. And she said, okay. After, she was on the phone with a friend, and she said, I can't believe my parents allowed for that. Uh, and then she said, I wonder if they even care for me. And for her, she actually didn't want to go downtown, like go on the L by herself as a 15-year-old girl. Um, and she, she, was, she actually did that to, to test her parents to see if they cared enough about her to tell her not to do that. And she kind of felt like, oh my gosh, like you don't really care. And so I, 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 when I heard that story, I was, I was shocked. I was like, wow, she was aware enough of her own motivation that that's what she was trying to do. But she was also um, like really calling out as like, you know, love me, you know, pay it, pay attention to me. Am I not worth you, you know, protecting me? And so, you know, from that, I always thought, well, gosh, you know, like that, that's an excellent example of where, you know, too, too lenient that wasn't working. Yeah. And I think that there are, there are lots of examples coming to mind of, of family friends. I know where, for instance, um, there's one family where they, as of high school, didn't force their kids to go to mass anymore. And they said that, you know, these kids can make these decisions for themselves. And I don't think any of those kids are still in the church, you know? And so I think that there's this, like this false sense of, I want to be, I want my kids to like me right now. And if they like me right now, then what I'm doing must be working. And they're not really thinking about, you know what? your kids might love you right now for being super lenient. And then 10 years from now, they look back at what happened to them during high school and the things they experienced that if you had been more strict, that they wouldn't have had to experience that, that for me, I can speak to the opposite side of that, that I joined a men's group when I was 22, 23. And when I started finding out what these men had gone through in these sleepovers, I wasn't allowed to, to be a part of, or the movies they had seen that I wasn't allowed to see and, and things like that. I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought my parents were too strict and in some ways you guys were, but in other ways I'm like, I'm glad I didn't have to, to deal with those things at 15 or 16. I'm glad that, yeah. you know, that, that I wasn't exposed to pornography by a friend at age six because my parents weren't around paying attention, you know, like all of these different things that I'm sure the parents were like, no, we wanted to give our kids freedom and we wanted to, you know, show them that we're not overbearing. It's like that is a great intention, but intentions don't get you very far. It's, it's about what's the result and what ends up happening. Yeah. It, I think when it, I, I've got examples of where, uh, instances where that leniency was uh, problematic. I, uh, we know of a family friend where, uh, they did a sleepover and they had uh, a young man come and, you know, a friend of their son who came and slept over, um, and actually this scarred me when I found out about it. And that friend had actually awakened in the middle of the night and he had gone into their daughter's room and he raped her and, uh, and he, you know, intimidated her so that she didn't tell anybody. Uh, and then several months later, he came over and spent the night and did it again. And that, 
never came. It didn't come out until that young lady was like in her 20s. And her parent, like her parents were just beside themselves, uh, like that this had actually happened. Um, and it was, it was, it was traumatic. And so with that, um, it, now her, her parents were well-intentioned. Um, of course, if they knew anything like that was going to happen, they wouldn't allow that. Um, but there is that, that reality side of things where like, we need to put barriers, you know, around our children. I, I think, you know, a good example of that is you look at, you know, how, uh, how somebody is going to uh, um, work with a small tree in an orchard. They often will put uh, guide wires, guide wires around it to hold it in place. Why? So that the, the, the storms when the tree is small aren't going to be enough to, to break it. And as it, and as it gets, you know, as it gets taller, then you loosen the wires, but you keep them on there until there's enough internal integrity in that tree so that it can it can deal with the storms. And so as parents, uh, we, uh, you know, the challenge is, I mean, like you see this in trees, you ever go by a tree and it's got this, uh, it's got this wire around it that somebody never loosened and it actually embedded into the tree and it can actually cut the bark and kill the tree. Um, and so you've got, as a parent, we've got this challenge to where we need to be, we need the wires there to, to help direct, direct what? Direct um, the tree up. But as parents, we're directing our children where? Up to God, to following his rules, his commandments, like towards the sun. Um, and so that's that's our goal is get them going in that direction. But we've got to be watching those wires. And it's like, there's times to loosen them and like, and back it off. It's like, okay, you know, that's fine. Or it's going to cut in and cut to um, too deeply. And I, and I think of, um, you know, the challenge with, uh, it, it, like those, our children feel, um, those, those guiding wires on them. And then like that one example, the, the girl going downtown Chicago, she was like, you know, the wire right now is too loose. Um, and again, so you don't want it to be too hard, but you want them to be able to feel it so that they know why, because the rule says you're worth it. I love you and I'm going to keep you pointed in the right direction. And with the, uh, with the wisdom from God and from the Bible and from experience, I know that if you start heading down this, this path um, early, you're going to have difficulty coming back, which is, comes back to a tree analogy. There's, um, there's you know, two, uh, two things that I'll say often. Uh, one of them is, as the twig is bent, so grows the branch. There's a point where our kids, when they're malleable, they're shapeable, um, if we get them pointed in the right direction and they grow in that direction, they actually become like a branch does or, or a tree. Uh, the, the outer bark and uh, the outer fiber of the tree gets um, stronger and stronger to the point where it's very hard to bend. And so if you allow your child to have bad habits early on, they can literally get stuck. And the only way you can fix those is to break the branch, you know, which you don't, you know, you don't want to break a person. And so you want to bend them the right direction while they're malleable and you bend them with love and you bend them with rules um, to the right uh, direction. And then there's one more expression, which I, which I love, which is, um, and this was from uh, a, a, a man who was a Frederick Douglass, who was a former slave. And he said, it's easier to build strong, um, it's easier to uh, build strong children than repair broken men. 
And so there's a point where like, if you've been lenient and have allowed uh, people to grow like a, a garden that's not weeded and cleaned out, you know, it gets to the point where like, you can't, you're gonna end up only breaking it uh, to try to get it back to where, where it needs to be. So um, that combination of going back and forth where like there's enough of a guide, guidance there to keep them on the right track. And then, you know, and you need to pay attention to that. And then also not too much where it's gonna break them. And I think that balance isn't something that any perfect or any parent is ever going to get perfect. I think that it's going to be an oscillation. There are going to be periods where you're too harsh with your kids and there are going to be periods where you're too lenient. And it's about trying to find that middle ground, accepting that that's the reality that you're not regardless of, of anything that you do because you're human, you're imperfect. You're going to make mistakes, realizing that that's the case makes it so important that the kid understands the why, the the underlying why. And the why is I love you and I want what's best for you. And, and where this comes to mind very specifically is that the rules in our house around dating were way stricter when I was 14, 15, 16 than they are with the kids now. Um, I would say that relatively speaking, they're still pretty strict. But for me, it was like I felt like I wasn't allowed to talk to girls until I was like, there was a joke one of the kids made uh, that you're allowed to um, have your first date when you're married. And, and so like that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's how I, how I felt as a, as a kid. Um, but I remember being really annoyed about one of these rules and arguing with mom about it. And what she said was, I don't know what the right answer is. I just don't want you to get hurt the way that I got hurt when I was your age. And even though I think that some of the, the rules that sprouted from that desire were not the best implementation of, of, um, of that desire, I at least knew that this wasn't coming from some sort of, you know, I hate you and I don't want you to experience love, so I don't want you to be dating anybody. It was quite the opposite. And knowing that allowed me to give a lot more leeway to you guys and to mom especially of like, you know what, you do want what's best for me. And so... I'm going to keep fighting because I don't think this is what's best for me, but at least I know where you're coming from. Yeah. And and I think that that brings up a really uh, good point as to, as parents, um, what's the one question that our kids ask us all the time? It's the why, 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 why? And it gets exhausting to try to answer that question. Um, But we also need to ask that question ourselves to our father in heaven like you know like why do you do it this way why are we imperfect why is it hard to set rules why is it hard to enforce rules why is it that i mess up in doing the rules and part of part of what happens um and this is where you have to be careful in parenting with hard and fast rules is that there is a value the answer to that question the why there is at least an answer <laughs> there's a value to the give and take that happens in the relationship with these particular parents, with this particular child, uh, talking through that rule. Because what happens is, is in that dialogue, um, the parent has to be asking themselves, like, why am I doing that? What is the purpose of the rule? And I have to love my child enough to enter into that conversation when it when it's appropriate. But it's also it's getting them to learn the the what's going on behind it. But there's also more that comes into it that has to do with like my personality and what I've experienced trying and i'm trying to get in sync with your personality and what you're experiencing and also what your weaknesses and strengths are and so uh, you can have a rule that's going to be applied differently for 
two different children because they're two different children. <laughs> um, and so, and it's loving. And so some people say, well, that's not fair. And it's like, well, what do you mean by fair? Well, because I don't have the, the it's not equal. It's not the same rule. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. And, it, and this becomes even clearer when you have um, a child who is saying, I want to go outside. And a child who says, I want to go outside. This child has their full capacities and is aware of their environment. And I'm going to say yes. And this child over here might have some kind of ment is mentally debilitated in some way. And they don't know what to look for and what the dangers are. It's like, well, you're not being fair. It's like, actually, I am being just. I'm giving each child what they in justice really need for them to be able to flourish. And this child over here should not be outside on their own. And so as parents, I would get caught into that argument to be like, that's not fair. It's like, well, that's okay. Um, it's not equal, but it's just. Is it is it appropriate for the person? And that changes me and it changes the child. And what it does is it gets me out of rigid thinking to say that, and of course there's some rules, almost every rule that you can come up, up with most all of them, there's always a time when it's appropriate. So like if you say, like I've had it happen before with um, Vivian, where uh, Vivian will get upset and she'll hit. And I say, there's no hitting. And I get really harsh. There's no hitting. Um, and you're going to get a consequence. And if parents want to know uh, a couple of consequences, I'll say those in a second because there's some fun ones that we'll do. Um, but I have now as an older parent, I'll say, when is it appropriate to hit Vivian? She's like, oh, never. And I'm like, no, 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 no. When's it appropriate to hit? And she knows the answer now. She's like, when somebody's trying to abduct me, when um, I'm trying to protect somebody who's trying to hurt one of my siblings, you know, I'm trying to protect one of my siblings. Like there is a time where, you know what, hit, scratch, you know, like you need to defend um, somebody. So so you have to be careful to be like, well, because that's, you know, it's happened. There, there's uh, somebody who had been abducted and they, and they complained to their parents after. And, you know, they said, you know, you always told me to be nice to strangers. And it's like, well, there's a time when it's not appropriate to be nice to strangers. There's a time to run. Um, so uh, so knowing those things. So I, I want to share just a, a couple a couple of consequences that are kind of fun. Um, one of them that I'll do, this is my go to now after parenting for almost 30 years, um, is push-ups. I'll say, okay, that's it. that's two push-ups, that's three push-ups. What's kind of nice is that they're doing it to themselves and they're getting their energy out and it's given me a time to calm down. Um, uh, something that we used to do when the kids were younger is that we would uh, have them put up their arms like in the shape of a cross. It's like, okay, arms up, which is really easy to do for about you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then it hurts. <laughs> and I remember Daniel, uh, at some point when he, he was doing that, he, he realized the, the central fugal force. And so he, as he would stand with his arms out, he would begin to rotate really fast because the, <laughs> the force would pull his arms out. And then it was easy to hold him out. Um, and so I was like, you can't, you can't, you can't twist. You can't you know, do that. And so, uh, so the next thing that he would do is uh, he would look forward to putting his arms up and he would watch his muscles. And he was like, yeah, like I'm growing my muscles. And I was just like, oh, um, and then it got to the point where he could hold it up for a while. And so then <laughs> the next thing that we did is we were like, aha. Uh -huh. And we had somebody tell us as we, we went and got like cans of soup. And it's like, well, now you have to hold a can of soup in either arm. Um, and then that became tougher in the consequence kind of fit. Um, but uh, those are just some of the kind of the fun uh Consequent fun meaning that um, that they, they, those were ones were helpful because it externalized the truth that the thing that they were doing that they needed to be corrected for uh, was actually uh, inflicting damage, and so that they could feel the consequence of the damage done to themselves because that's you know thing like you're the one you gave me a spank or you did this thing to me, and I'm always trying to say like no you did it to yourself because you 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 know committed that 
you know, you did that thing wrong, you committed that sin or whatever the thing was. Whereas when they're inflicting it upon themselves, the push-ups or putting their arms out, there's really an advantage to that because that you truly are damaging your soul every time that you're doing something willfully um, to hurt somebody else that, you know, the, the context, you know, you shouldn't be doing at a time when you shouldn't be doing that. And so when the consequence is something that you're that you're physically doing to yourself, the kids kind of begin to get that message of like, okay, this is doing damage. Um, like I'm the one who's initiating this damage because I've chosen to be disrespectful or disobedient or whatever, whatever the sin is. Well, and it, it, it offers a, an opportunity for kind of active reparation. Like if you get a spanking, mm. you could offer up the pain of the spanking, but there's a difference between that and like doing push-ups and offering those in reparation. Yeah, so I, I, I think that that, concept actually i'm glad you brought it up um is is really helpful from a catholic standpoint that we uh we you know what is reparation i didn't know what reparation was for years <laughs> and so reparation is a noun um and it means and it comes from the verb to repair and it's to repair what it's to repair the damage caused by sin and that because every time every sin that's committed there is always damage and i didn't know, understand this when i was younger and and even at, even as a young father i didn't understand that theological concept but it has very practical um application is that when i if i lie cheat steal even if nobody gets hurt um somebody did get hurt like i actually hurt my soul i damaged my soul in doing this and so that concept of reparation is helpful for our children to learn early on because then when they know that there are ways to repair the damage that you can't necessarily see and so and, and what's that do that actually helps restore the relationship with god and with other people and and you get that clearly from going to confession you know uh, Part of a confession is that you're admitting to your sin, which is hard to do, um, that you're receiving counsel, um, you're being forgiven, but then you're given a penance. And a penance is the thing that you do in order to repair the damage caused by sin. And so that's how those words go together. The, the penance is the act, um, the act of repairing. And so, uh, and then that challenge really comes into like is um, back to harshness and leniency. Uh, the, the challenge with re repairing um, is that there are times that you can't repair what you've broken. And that is shocking. And, and I had that as a little boy. I, I had a horrible situation where I was playing with matches uh, with a little a little buddy of mine down the street. And, and when we were done, we put we, we thought that we were uh, blowing out the matches and we threw them under this juniper bush. Um, and about three hours later, uh, actually even longer, it's probably six hours later, um, it was during the summer. I heard sirens coming into the neighborhood. And I was excited because it was like, wow, we're going to see a fire truck. And so I came bolting out from the backyard with my brothers and we we're all excited to see the fire truck on our street. And I looked down and all of a sudden I realized that the uh, juniper bush was on fire and it was about to burn the house, uh, which wasn't my house or my neighbor, my buddy's house. It was his neighbor's house. And I just remember freaking out like, oh my gosh. Um, and in, the, in that situation, the fortunately, the fire truck, they put everything out. And I remember um, being scared to death <laughs> to tell my dad, um, but I felt like I had to tell, like I had to admit to it. So I told my mom, you know, went to my mom first and she's like, you know, your dad really needs to know. And I'm like, oh no, not dad. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but I did end up telling my dad and the, the, like, I will never forget in, in that situation, he was not too harsh. 
he put his arm around me and I was scared. I was like, I'm, and my dad was, so my dad was a Marine and I was always afraid he was going to kill me. Um, just cause he was so big. He was like six, three and he was big. And, uh, and he put his arm around me and he held me and he said, you know, Michael, do you, do you realize what could have happened if they, if, if that fire wasn't put out right away? Cause it just burned the bush. Um, like he said, and then he told me, he said, like somebody, if that had burned a house, somebody could have died. Um, and like, and we could have lost our own house. Cause like we would have had to, to pay, you know, to repair their house. Um, and you know, we could have lost everything. And he started to kind of choke up. Well, gosh, uh, I was just melting. Um, and in that instance, his leniency, his, I, when I would use the word now specifically, mercy and the word mercy means undeserved goodness his undeserved goodness to me and that moment i help will never forget and it's impacted my parenting so that like that comes up and it's in my memory it's like remember the time you almost burned down that house you know you almost killed people um and it's like and i know the power of appropriate leniency and mercy when it can indelibly when it can imprint forever in your child and they can know love and acceptance in a way that will that will change their hearts and allow them to be merciful to others that's all we have time for today if you like what you've heard on the podcast please subscribe leave a five-star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same If you want to support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad, and as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless. God bless.